Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. The Gambler with Adam Kaufman here on WRKO. And as mentioned earlier, it's back to school Wednesday in the case of this week. And we are making the move to the last of the Power Five conferences for us to discuss. That is the SEC. Doing so with our good friend from Road to Wire, John McKechnie. John, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, I mean, saving the best for last with, with the SEC uh, coming up here. So, uh, ton to unpack. I'm really excited. Listen, your bias aside, it was alphabetical order. That's, uh, that's really, it's, <laughs> fine. It's, yeah, it's, right. It's really just that simple. So, looking at this conference, I mean, you've you've got Alabama, you've got LSU. There's Tennessee. This this other team, Georgia. You're probably familiar with. You heard of them? You, you know, they uh, it, living where I live, you, you tend to see this this G floating around. It's not a, it's not Packers <laughs> colors, so uh, you know there there seems to be a presence uh, that down these parts. Bulldogs, obviously, and uh, we're goofing around with John because he uh, went there. But the Bulldogs, first repeat champs since Bama back in 2011-12. It had been a while, obviously. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, let's just dive into it from a betting perspective. I mean, your personal bias aside, how strong is the argument to just bet on Georgia to three-peat? I think I think there legitimately is a good case to, to be made. And again, but yeah, bias aside, um, obviously they, they lose a lot of guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball to the draft. But um, and they, they lose Stetson Bennett, who was a, you know a program legend. Uh, we'll see how he does in the NFL. The, the backfield is a bit of a concern. We'll, we'll get to that. But um, you you talk about a receiving core that brings in Rara Thomas from Miss State, Dom Lovett uh, from Mizzou. You have the best tight end in college football and Brock Bowers. You have an offensive line that's littered with five stars. Uh, the defensive line, similar story. Um, they were very inexperienced in the back end for the most part last year, so they got some Key, valuable experience and then you know if you you know take the thousand foot view it's a very very cake schedule and I, i've been trying to deflect the, the haters on twitter all off season about how how cake georgia's schedule is but the fact of the matter is uh with, with that oklahoma game that was supposed to be the the first uh game of the, of this season uh getting nixed on account of oklahoma joining the sec next year um yeah it's it's if Georgia doesn't go 12 and 0 in the regular season, I'll be surprised. We'll, we'll have to see what the West offers on the other side, uh, whether it is Bama or LSU or a sleeper team. But I, I feel like Georgia can get there, and, and really, at the end of the day, um, the, the sheer amount of talent that they have on, on both sides of the trenches, I think, is, is something that people just can't really contend with in today's game. And I think that even applies to a team like Alabama, who kind of built its brand on on being the big bully. I think Georgia is that now. To your point, that possible twelve and zero mark that they could be, you know, looking for obviously is. I mean, is, is the game at Tennessee the the only real threat to that, or it's because, as you said, I'm looking at it. It's it's a very light schedule with only three true SEC road games in there. Right. So Tennessee in November is is going to be tricky. 
And I think that there, there's something to be said for going to Auburn. Jordan Hare can be um, a really tough place for, for road teams to, to come out alive. And I know that Auburn has been in the doldrums these last couple of years. The Brian Harson hire was uh, a total unforced error on, on Auburn's, uh, you know, account. But bringing in Hugh Freeze, uh, he's a very good coach. Say what you will about him otherwise, but uh, – the X's and O's, uh, what he does on the field is, is pretty remarkable. Um, the, the results that he was able to get at Liberty uh, speak for themselves, how he did at Ole Miss. So I'm expecting a really quick, speedy turnaround for, for Auburn. And with, with that, that rivalry being as intense as it is, that, that's another potential slip-up spot. Um, but really beyond that, Tennessee is really the only game that, that I think it will see um, a spread under 10 points. John, as you mentioned, the Stetson-Bennett era is now over. The Carson-Beck era is about to begin. What are some reasonable expectations for him this year? Well, we'll, we'll see how the offense changes that they promoted from within uh, with Mike Bobo taking over after Todd Munkin uh, left for the NFL. So uh, I think stylistically it's going to look a little bit different. Uh, Beck is someone that, that I think has a stronger arm that, than Stetson-Bennett did, and, and uh, you don't need to do – as many like designed rollouts because he he can actually see over that offensive line as opposed to uh, Stetson Bennett. <laughs> so I think that there, there's going to be a greater emphasis on the passing game in this offense. And I think that that um, is compounded by the fact that Branson Robinson, um, sophomore running back, is going to be out for this season. Um, Kendall Milton has been far from the, the picture of durability uh, during his time at Georgia. I think if he had his druthers, he, he would have been in the draft this past spring, but hasn't played enough games yet so you're talking about Dejan Edwards and freshman Roderick Robinson um, helping to carry the load behind hopefully Kendall Milton that just isn't a great uh, off or I'm sorry running back room I think the offensive line's good enough to, to give anyone a good amount of space to to work with um, but I think all that being said I think that we're going to see a little bit more explosiveness in the passing game not not just because of the schematics but also the additions to the transfer portal my my one request, John, you, it sounds like you're smashing the over on the eleven and a half. Can and you've won back to back national titles? Can we not do the everyone doubted us thing at the end of the year this year? <laughs> oh, that made me want to crawl out of my skin. I, I mean, it, it's a testament to how much Kirby Smart can somehow control the message within that locker room to make them think that uh, anyone had anything but like extremely rosy things to say about the dogs going into last year. Um, that's totally bonkers, but hey, I mean, if uh, that's a motivational tactic that, that can actually uh, be planted in these guys' heads, then uh, I'm all for it. But uh, I mean, I'm certainly not going to be the guy that says, oh yeah, everyone, we're little old Georgia. That's uh, that's way, way out the window at this point. All right, so let's head to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just laughing, thinking about like 20 years of, of Patriots fans right. with the us against the world, and yet we're picking on Georgia for doing the same damn thing. Yeah, I mean, Bill never flat out came out and said it after no, a Super Bowl. No, Bill didn't, but obviously yeah. it, it was, you know, it was it was still sort of subliminally sent the bulletin board the material. Fans and, yeah. yeah, in the same way that Kirby Smart got his message out, Bill Belichick did the same thing. Yeah, definitely. So, speaking of another great coach, how about Nick Saban? John, let's head to Tuscaloosa. I feel like we've returned to the Jake Coker, Blake Sims days with uh, Alabama this year. Great roster, but who's the quarterback, and how much trouble is this team going to be in if they can't figure this out between Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, or Tyler Buckner heading into Week 2 against Texas? 
Well, it's sounding like um, they're going to kind of let this play out um, until the Texas game. I I think that uh, that season opener for them will be a bit of a dress rehearsal, um, not too dissimilar to to what Michigan did for, well, they had the luxury of doing it for the entire first month of the season last year. Um, But they're going to have to get that sorted. Um, And I I think that, you know, each of those quarterbacks offer very different pluses and minuses. I, I think with Milrow, what you're looking at at best is probably similar to what Jalen Hurts was able to do his first year at Alabama where, um, you know, maybe it's not the, the most high-volume passing game, but it's very effective and efficient. Uh, you still have some very good receivers there, maybe not quite to the level that we're used to seeing in Tuscaloosa. Um, but Jalen Milrow, uh, his rushing ability stands out uh, among those other guys. He looks like a, someone who would be very – uh, unpleasant to try to tackle in, in the open field. So there, there's he has that going for him. Uh, Tyler Buckner, Dan, as a Notre Dame guy, you know that uh, uh, maybe he was a little bit overrated uh, coming out of high just, school. Just but he, he obviously had just a touch. Um, but he has that connection with Tommy Reese, um, so that there's something to be said for that. Um, he's got some athleticism of his own, but I, I just question the arm strength um, really being uh, something that, that's playable, let alone startable at this level for a team that, that has championship aspirations. And Ty Simpson's kind of the wild card, um, but, you know, obviously a very highly regarded recruit, pocket passer type of guy. Um, so I, I'm guessing that it's going to be Milrow, and I think that ultimately this offense just kind of has to take a different shape than what we've gotten used to after the, the Tua, Mac Jones, and Bryce Young years where they were just able to throw the ball all, all over everybody. If, if it's Milrow, and I do think he's the best option, the offense is going to look a lot different, and we'll have to see, unlike uh, the Blake Sims days, uh, whether that Alabama offensive line is is as good as it once was because it used to be the most dominant thing that you could set your watch to in college football, and that really hasn't been the case over the last couple of years uh, due to recruiting. So 10.5 is the uh, the win total for Bama. The the over, you can find a plus money pretty pretty well on the plus money, too, a plus 150 at DraftKings right now. The under is heavily juiced, John, but all their big games – are at home. They're at Brian Denny in just the one trip to College Station this year. Uh, is there one really, really tough road game? How do you feel about the total? Um, I think that this is another two-loss team. Um, I, I think that um, maybe they get LSU back, but they slip up somewhere else. And as we discussed uh, when, when we were breaking down the Big 12 a few weeks ago, I think Texas shocks the world and pulls it off. In week two in, in Tuscaloosa, I, I still stand firm that, that I think that that is going to happen. So there's a couple of losses there for, for Bama, and, they, and you know, we see that happen a couple years in a row, and, and boy, uh, that, that fan base is going to be taking a, a long, hard look and, and maybe even uh, seeing if they can start the countdown on, on when Saban walks away, which I, I still think that he's easily one of the best coaches in college football. It's not really a question, but... Um, the standard is just so high for him that that, that he has set himself that um, you know anything less than than a playoff appearance and a national championship appearance does feel like a failure. But I think when those are the parameters, we have another failure coming this year. Adam, I can hear the smile and feel the giddiness coming from John right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we still got to talk LSU, Tennessee, maybe some of the hopefuls as well. We'll do that in the next segment. John, can we can we get a, a bulldog bark on the way out? Go dog sick. <laughs> there was no enthusiasm behind that at all. It's, it's okay. It's we August. put you on the spot. It's August. It's August. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it'll <laughs> catch him more naturally I gotta, on I a random Saturday. I got a girlfriend across the condo. What can I do? <laughs> <laughs> 
you explain exactly what was asked of you. That's what you do. All right, we'll step aside. We'll be right back. More SEC talk on the way. Need to vent about bad bets? You've come to the right place. Tell us about it. Call 617-266-6868. That's 617-266-6868. Or if you're listening on the iHeartRadio app, use the TalkBack button. The Gambler with Adam Kaufman will be right back after this on WRKO. Now back to The Gambler with Adam Kaufman on WRKO. We're talking SEC with John McKechnie from Roto-Wire. Already a deep dive into Georgia and Alabama. Let's look at a couple other teams that are very much also in that national title contender conversation, LSU and Tennessee. We start with LSU, though. And, uh, John, I mean, just obviously, you know, they win the national championship in 2019, you know, mediocre by certainly by their standards, but by a lot of team standards over the couple of years after that. Last year of something of a bounce back, you know, go out and, and they they lose the SEC title game, but they, they blow out Purdue in in the bowl, and then this year, many of their starters coming back, 15 of them. You got Alabama on the road, A&M at home, uh, another team that's obviously going to have a lot of respect attached to its name, but how do they stack up in your mind especially when it comes to betting, with those two titans that we've already talked about? So uh, I think that Alabama's obviously, by, by virtue of them playing in the same division, will play each other this year. Uh, that, that's going to be the, the big test uh, as far as in-conference play is concerned. Uh, we kick off the year uh, with the best game of, of opening weekend, um, week one with, with their game at, uh, at a neutral site in, in Florida against FSU. And news came down earlier today that, that Mason Smith, the, the former five-star um, defensive tackle, is not going to be playing in that game. And that could be an issue because all of a sudden um, what was going to be a, a tough sledding as far as Florida State getting the run game going, uh, suddenly that gets a, a good bit easier because Mason Smith is a big space eater on the inside, can really uh, you know penetrate through the, the middle of the offensive line. I mean, he's – He's a stud, so losing him, I think, is a big problem uh, when it comes to LSU in that game. But if they lose the first game of the season, there's still a path for them to to getting to the playoff if they're able to make it unscathed uh, through conference play. So um, I'm maybe one of my like more hot takes, I suppose, when it comes to LSU is I'm not convinced that they're going to be starting their best quarterback on the roster. Um, I think Jaden Daniels is. Um, a very solid quarterback. I think he's he's good. I think you can design a system that that he can uh, thrive in to an extent. But I think uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, uh, on on a talent basis alone, especially with the arm and especially with the lack of run game that that LSU is going to have this year, I feel like they're going to need to be able to to throw the ball. And I feel like Garrett Nussmeyer, you know, kind of serves that purpose much better uh, than Jaden Daniels does. Daniels obviously offers that that dual threat capability. Um, but I think Nussmeyer, but I guess that's all beside the point because it is going to be Jaden Daniels, and if so, I think that we're looking at probably a, a 10, maybe 11-win team, which, you know, again, right right on that on that number, which makes uh, it very tricky to, to bet. But, I mean, LSU, um, outside of – if they can get through week one, we're, we're looking at a team that is going to be in the top five uh, the rest of the rest of the season. Does that defense scare you at all, John? That secondary has a lot of guys coming in through the portal. Right, so that that's an issue, um, and and you know 
one truly great defensive player in it. I'm not talking about Mason Smith, but but Harold Perkins. Yep. He can't do everything. Not not at not at least against um, a team that that has a good offensive line. Uh, you know, like that. You look at the Arkansas game last year or something like that, and it's like, of course, uh, he was able to just kind of single handedly wreck that one. So that, there will be some instances of Harold Perkins uh, causing some some trouble on the field this year, but I, I don't know if he can carry that defense by, by himself. Um, so, yeah, like, like you said, Dan, that there is the issue of all that turnover in the defensive backfield, and that, that feels very kind of off-brand for LSU. LSU seemed to always be the place where the, the best corner talent and secondary yeah. talent uh, went to go play their college ball, and that, that clearly hasn't been the case with, with their last few cycles, so that, they had to go portaling for that. We'll see how they gel. All right, very good. So let's talk about a high-powered offense and head up to Rocky Top. Knoxville, Tennessee, a lot of star power left the Vols over the uh, over the offseason and went to the NFL between Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Hendon Hooker. But Joe Milton steps in, and I know the, the, uh, the expectations for him are very high as well, John. But can he put it together consistently and build on that Orange Bowl performance from a year ago? Uh, and Tennessee's win total is 9.5, and, and you can find the, the over at plus money right now. I do like the over because that, that basically presupposes that they, if they they lose to Bama and they lose to Tennessee or they lose to Georgia and they have to go to Tuscaloosa this year, so that that's certainly possible. And Georgia, like like we talked about in the first segment, that's going to be a tough game for Tennessee even at home. Um, but I, I think the rest of the schedule that they should be able to take care of business pretty well. Their, their non-con game uh, against the Power Five team is Virginia. Uh, I don't think that Virginia really has it. Um, they, they've lost too much offensively in, in recent years. They, their quarterback is Tony Musket, which is a pretty cool name. But, um, you know, I think Tennessee will be able to take care of business there. And, and you know, to answer your question about Milton, consistency is the, the thing that will define Tennessee's season one way or the other when it comes to Joe Milton because we saw some electric performances from him at Michigan, and we also saw some performances that, that cost him his job there. And we, we've seen times where, um, you know, it's not like Hennon Hooker was a big deal when he transferred in from Virginia Tech, and Joe Milton still couldn't beat him out either. Um, but Milton, on a, on a physical tools level, is pretty ridiculous. I mean, he, he's got great mobility. He's got the, the arm strength to hurl a naval orange the, the entire length of a football field. Can he dial in the accuracy? We'll see. That offense is really tailor-made for, for crazy offensive production through the air. Um, despite losing Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, I think guys like Brew McCoy, Squirrel, Squirrel White, um, and uh, even Ramel Keaton are going to be able to you know, kind of have no drop-off when it comes to that uh, production in the receiver room this year. So it's, they're going to be held to deal with on offense. That, that's just kind of the way that the hypo system works. Um, the defense, I think, is still a question mark, and they lost just enough off of that defense last year where I'm a little skeptical that they're able to hold up against Bama and Georgia alike. All right, John, we got to fly through a couple of these other teams here before we let you go. Let's start with Kentucky. Uh, are they a good program now? Sneaky, seven straight bowl games under Mark Stoops, excuse me, and six winning seasons in seven years, and now he has Devin Leary as his quarterback. How do you feel about the Wildcats? I think they bounced back this year. I think the Devin Leary addition through the portal was, was a strong one. If he's all good to go after that season-ending injury last year, then things are looking up. They have a ton of talent in that receiver room. Barry and Brown, one of my uh, guys to keep an eye on 
for this year. The offensive line was abysmal last year. That needs to get tightened up. But otherwise, I mean, this is a team that, that probably should finish third in the East. Kentucky's uh, win total is six and a half. Another team in the SEC with a six and a half win total is Auburn. The Tigers, Hugh Freeze has returned to the SEC West. He gets Peyton Thorne to join him from Michigan State. Uh, what's a reasonable expectation for year one for Hugh Freeze after some disappointing football at Jordan Hare the past few years? Um, I think they can get to, to seven wins. I wouldn't uh, leave too much room for more than that, but I, I think Freeze wakes up that program uh, pretty significantly. And, that you know, Auburn historically is a very strong program, and, and Freeze, uh, his track record speaks for itself uh, on the field. So um, I think that uh, I'm not convinced necessarily that Thorne starts for them all year. I think Robbie Ashford kind of fits more what Freeze likes to do at the, at the quarterback position. But either way, um, I think that they are going to be um, that team that no one really wants to play. They, they're going to be cagey. They're going to put some scares into teams, whether whether it is Georgia, whether it is Alabama. Um, I think that they're going to play those two teams a little bit tighter than, than maybe the line uh, would suggest, but that they'll also have some slip-ups as they kind of get themselves on track. So for any of our listeners that you know kind of casually follow college football and they're just kind of getting reacquainted with the season here as we're about to pick things up, uh, Bobby Petrino is now the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Is he the missing piece, John, to get the most out of this roster that is just loaded with blue-chip prospects? It's loaded, but they've also had a pretty decent outflow of, you know, from that like historic uh, 2022 recruiting hall. Um, you know, it comes down to Connor Weigman. Is he the real deal? Is he the, the five-star quarterback that they signed in, in that cycle? Um, we'll have to see how does that run game respond with no Devin A. Chain? How does Anaya Smith look um, coming back from injury? And, you know, the, I think offensive and defensive line, they, they've really stocked up there, so they don't really have a whole lot of excuses. I, do, I just think that Jimbo's stuff is outdated, and I think bringing in Petrino doesn't really fix that. I think if they brought in someone like a Kendall Bryles or, or made the move for, um, for Garrett Riley from, from TCU last year, then I'd be singing a different tune. But I think that we have two big, dumb egos going at it, and I think it's going to ultimately cost that team. And I'm, I'm talking about, of course, Jimbo Fisher and Petrino. I think that's going to be a problem all year for them and they're not going to be able to get out of their own way oh it's going to make for great television though cannot wait to watch that uh john before i ask you for a playoff pick or predictions or how many sec teams are going to the playoffs any other team here that we didn't touch on um let's see here vandy this weekend uh you know they're playing hawaii that should be fun uh at the at the very least i think florida is looking at a very down year yet again this year um, I, I think Auburn, all told, is, is my sleeper team in this conference, and I think that Ole Miss is going to have some troubles of its own this year. I think that they're going to have a quarterback uh, rota- rotation going on that, that ultimately ends up uh, kind of costing them some games. But but uh, still tune into them because Quinchon Judkins is probably the best running back in college football, if not uh, top two. He is unbelievable. For him to like push Zach Evans aside the way he did last year as a true freshman, that guy's a special talent, so keep an eye on him. Very good. So who's going to the playoff? Just Georgia. Just- I think that we, we, we open it up to, uh, to, some, to a Big 12 team and a Pac-12 team this year in addition to a Big 10 team. So that, that's, where, that's where I'm leaning with it. All right, so you've given us in the past here, you've said Florida State's going to the playoff, Texas is going to the playoff, Georgia's going to the playoff. That leaves an open spot. Who's the fourth team in the John McKechnie playoff? Okay, Florida State, Texas, Georgia. Mm, 
uh, I guess uh, I've painted myself into the corner. Uh, I will go with USC. Um, wow. And I, I think that, that that also extends to the Big Ten being a bloodbath this year. And I think that Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State all end up kind of picking each other off. And USC, if they're able to cruise to an undefeated season, they're getting in. Very good. If you can't tell, Dan would like to do an entire show on the SEC. I've done it a, just done a, it a time just, or two. Just a full two hours, no commercials, all SEC talk wire to wire with you. Yeah, move over, Feinbaum. <laughs> I mean, you, you you should see the restraint I, I had to not say anything good about Brian Kelly during the LSU part of that because I knew I, I didn't want to hurt my guy Dan like that. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John McKechnie, uh, obviously we have only scratched the surface in terms of your appearances on this show. Next time that we have you on, we'll actually have an opportunity to talk about games that are underway and, and bets to make throughout the year and who do you like this weekend and who's in a good spot and blah, blah, blah. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it, man. So thanks for being with us. Can't wait. It's, it's, it's finally here. You can smell it. It's Oh, my God. Best time of the year. Can't wait. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.